Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current series, This Is What We Do. The big idea behind this series is that Jesus tells his followers how to live life and that what we do makes a difference in the world. When we pursue God, live generously, serve regularly, foster unity, and share the gospel, it inspires others to do the same. When we add our individual actions to what other believers are doing, God multiplies the impact. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Good morning again to everybody here in the house as well as those who are joining us online. We're glad you're here. We're in the middle of a series called This Is What We Do. And, you know, here's the big idea. As followers of Jesus Christ, what we do because we're followers of him, what we add into the kingdom of God that he's called us to be a part of, God takes and he multiplies it for his purposes and his glory. Now, when somebody decides to become a follower of Jesus Christ, comes to Valley Brook, and if they desire to, to join our church and become a member, we ask them actually to make a covenant, to commit to doing some things. And, and so if you were wondering what are those things that we ask people to do, basically they've made up the weeks of this series, but I'll just remind you, we ask people to commit to uh, connecting with God, to putting him in the first place in their lives, to pursue him. We ask people to to live generously. We ask people to serve sacrificially. We ask people to protect the unity of the body of Christ. And we ask people to to share the good news. Now, today we're going to look at this idea of what it means to protect our unity. There's an opening scene in the movie Gladiator where the the main character... uh, He's a Roman general. His name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. He says to his troops before going into battle this statement. He says, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity. What transpires in the rest of the movie is a battle between good and evil that seems to echo at least through the future of the Roman Empire uh, what they did echoed in their eternity. Let me tell you a little bit about the movie itself, the story behind it. Uh, When the son of the emperor of Rome at that time ascends to the throne, unfortunately by murdering his father, General Maximus goes from being the favorite celebrated general of the Roman emperor who was killed to being the despised nemesis of the next emperor who honestly wants him to be killed. So Maximus becomes a fugitive and then he becomes a a caged slave and and then an unvanquished gladiator because he's sold into slavery as a gladiator. And so... uh, He becomes very successful, and eventually his growing fame leads him to the arena at the top of the sports pinnacle in Rome's magnificent Colosseum, where all the elite warriors would eventually go. On that day that he goes for his first battle, it's a reenactment of the Battle of Carthage. The gladiators are foot shoulders, and they're cast as the hapless Carthinians, and it's a stage 
set for slaughter. They're marched out of a dark passageway into the brilliant sunlight and, and the, the crowd roars because they know there's going to be a huge fight and a huge loss of life. But Maximus has a general's mindset and he's the leader and he shouts to his men these words. He says, stay together. And he assembles them in a tight circle in the center of the arena, back to back with their shields aloft and their spears outward. And he shouts, whatever comes out of that gate, stay together. What comes out of that gate is swift and sleek and full of terror. Chariot upon chariot thunder forth with war horses pulling them with deadly agility and earth-shaking strength. Wagons driven by master charioteers. Amazonian warrior princesses ride behind and with deadly precision hurl spears and volley arrows at the men. One gladiator strays from the circle, ignoring Maximus's order and is cut down. Maximus shouts again, stay together. The instinct to, stat, to scatter is strong, but Maximus exerts his authority and they resist the impulse. The chariots circle closer and closer and closer. Spears and arrows rain down on the men's wooden shields. The chariots are about to cinch the knot right when Maximus shouts, now. And the gladiators attack and they decimate the Romans. The evil emperor caustically remarks, to his right-hand man. In my memory, the Roman army in history defeated the Carthinians, didn't they? A little sarcasm. Pa Pastor Mark Buchanan notes this about the command of General Maximus, his command to stay together. He said, you know, when I saw that, it reminds me of how Jesus prayed for us. He prayed to the Father, and this is what he prayed. He said, may they be brought to complete unity. In other words, may they stay together. And then he goes on to say, and because we are unified, Jesus promised that the gates of hell will not overcome the body of Christ, the church. When Christ followers are unified, that is doing God's will. And what we do when we are unified will echo through eternity. And that's why we must protect the unity of the body of Christ. So let's look at why unity is so important. So going back to that passage that Mark Buchanan mentions, you know, here's what I want us to look at is God calls us to be united. In the Old Testament, King David wrote about unity. He said, how good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity. Now, that's interesting that King David wrote that psalm. He was inspired by God to do it. But, but think about it. If you know anything about King David, he, he would know the importance of unity as a soldier and the disaster of disunity as a soldier. He understood that. He saw how unity helped his nation, Israel, do what God called them to do and how disunity destroyed the nation of Israel. And most of all, David actually knew the painful personal effects of disunity in his very own family because he experienced that when his own son tried to overthrow him and his kingdom. And it's through those experiences that God 
used David and inspired him to write those words about unity in Psalm 133. And I would encourage you to, to read that and reflect on it on your own. But I want to go to that prayer that Jesus prayed for us. And it's, it's in the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. And in it, Jesus prays for his disciples then and those who would come. So he's praying for us. And I want to look just at four lines of that prayer. This is what Jesus prayed. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for who will, all who will believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Unity amongst followers of Jesus is important because God the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit are united. The, the Trinity is, is a community that is united around the will of God and what he wants to do in this world and on this earth. And so in this passage, Jesus prays that we will be united like he is united with God the Father. And in his prayer, he prays and says, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. Now going further, he prays that we will be united with God and then he gets to the reason why unity is so important. He prays that we would experience complete and perfect unity so that the unbelieving world would see the miracle of unity. The miracle of unity among such a, a varied and diverse group of people who all profess faith in Jesus Christ. Seeing unity like that would bring people to one conclusion, that, that God must be real and that God must have sent Jesus to this earth and that God must be greater than we ever expected because if he loves them this way, he must love us all. You know, when Christians are united in their faith and in their following of Jesus, it sends a clear message to those that about what we believe about God, about how God changes our lives and how we can live for him instead of living for ourselves. And when we live for God instead of for ourselves, that changes the world. What we add into this world living for God, God multiplies for his purposes and people cannot help but notice that. Pastor and theologian Francis Schaeffer wrote this. He said, in the midst of a difference that we, that we have a golden opportunity. In the midst of difference, we have a golden opportunity. When everything is going well and we are all standing around in a nice little circle, there is not much to be seen by the world. But when we come to the place where there is a real difference and we exhibit uncompromised principles at the same time, observable love, then there is something that the world can see, something that they can use the ju to judge that these really 
are Christians and that Jesus has indeed been sent by the Father. That's the power of unity, and that's why it's so important to God. Now, let me pause just for a moment just to to define unity. What is unity? Pastor John Piper writes that Christian unity is defined by its source and by its views and by its affections and by its aims. So the source of unity, Scripture tells us, is the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You see, when you become a follower of Jesus... God pours out his Holy Spirit into us. And the spirit that is in me is the same spirit that's in you. The same spirit that's inside every follower of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is with us to be our teacher, to be our guide, to be our comforter. And the Holy Spirit is pointing us all toward following Jesus and worshiping God the Father. So there's unity in the spirit. That's the source of our unity In the book of Corinthians, the Apostle Paul demonstrates that the Holy Spirit is the great giver of unity. He writes this, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. He's talking about the the source of our unity. Now, uh, the view of the goal of unity is also found in Paul's writings when he says, Uh, that the leaders in the church are to teach and equip people until they reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. That means that the unity we pursue is unity in the truth of God's word. Now, Christian unity is more than shared truth, but not less. In another letter, Paul tells us what unity and truth looks like. He says, unity and truth makes him happy. And this is how he says it. We read these words. He says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Now, John Piper goes on to say that the affection of unity is love, which I'm going to get to in a few moments. Uh, And he says the aim of Christian unity is what Jesus said, to be a witness to the world about the reality of God for the glory of God. Now, as you can see, unity in the body of Christ is focused around being united on the truth of God. As we read what Paul said, he says, being like-minded... But, but maybe you're wondering what unity has to say about other things that are outside the truth of God. As followers of Jesus, are, are we supposed to be united and having the same view on politics, on social issues, on the pandemic, on anything it is that divides people and separates them? When Paul said be like-minded, does that mean that Christians have to be cookie-cutter people and believe the exact same thing in all of the other things of life? Well, the simple answer to that is no. Unity doesn't mean that we have to believe the same things on the other things of life, but it means that we believe the same thing about Jesus and we follow him to maintain and protect the unity of the body of Christ, even if we have different points of views on things. Maintaining unity in the essential beliefs of our Christian faith in God 
and maintaining unity in the body of Christ has to be more important than the other things in our lives that we have opinions and thoughts and views on. Nothing we believe can be elevated above God's truth. That means that our views on politics, on social issues, on the pandemic, and every other thing must never interfere in the unity in our faith in God and in the body of Christ. Our views on politics, social issues, on the pandemics, and other things have to take second place. All we need to do is look at the example of Jesus when it came to those other things. When he was tried to put in a situation where he would take a position on politics, he didn't. He was very clear that the main thing was connecting with God the Father. And that's what he was there to do and to teach. He always put God's truth above everything else, as we should also. So, we have to recognize that, that the truth of God comes above all the other things in this world. And, and there's something else that we need to understand is this, is that um, anything that causes disunity then is sin. Anything that causes disunity in the body of Christ is sin. So let's get practical. How can we protect the unity of the body of Christ? What, what do we need to do to make sure that happens? So uh, let's just look straight at Scripture and, and see what it says. I'm going to give us some examples of what Scripture says about how we protect the unity of the body of Christ. And, and the first way we do that is by acting in love. By acting in love toward one another. Remember I said I would come back to the affections of our unity? When Paul wrote that we should make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace, he prefaced it by telling us how to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He said, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So how do we protect the unity of the body? By treating others with humble, gentle, patient love. Now look, I understand that always treating people with humble, Patient, gentle love can be challenging at times and difficult. But we all need to know how to admit when we've made a mistake. And we all know how to say we're sorry. And so when we miss the mark, and that's what sin is, it's missing the mark, then we apologize. We confess our mistake. I appreciate a story that, that Pastor Charles Spurgeon told years and years ago uh, that really illustrates how we live together by acting in love. He said, when the Spirit of God is there, it, there must be love. And he said, if I have once known and recognized anybody who is my brother or sister in Christ, the love of Christ, he writes, constrains me no more to think of that person as a stranger or a foreigner or even an enemy but rather as a fellow citizen with all the other saints, in other words, all the other believers. And so then he gets very personal. He says, I hate high churchism, his words, um, 
as my soul hates Satan. But I love George Herbert, although George Herbert is a desperately high churchman. I hate his high churchism, but I love George Herbert from my very soul, and I have a warm corner in my heart for everyone who is like him. Let me find a person who loves my Lord Jesus Christ as George Herbert did, and I do not ask myself whether I shall love that person or not. There is no room for question. For I cannot help myself unless I can leave off loving Jesus Christ. I cannot cease loving those who love him. So we protect the unity of the body by loving others as Jesus has told us to do. We also protect the unity of the body by refusing to gossip. You know, there are several lists in the New Testament of sinful behaviors, and the sin of gossip is included in both of them. And the Apostle James gives us great insight into what gossip can do. This is what he writes. Among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. We know the dangers of the words that we speak, the words that we post, the words that we speak out of anger. And we need to throttle that back. We need to make sure that we're esteeming our brothers and sisters in Christ, and in fact, all people. Years ago, I remember watching the movie Steel Magnolias, and if you remember it, Olivia Dukakis was one of the characters, and she famously said this, if you don't have anything nice to say about anybody, then come sit by me. <laughs> Isn't that the issue with gossip? It's not nice. It's saying something mean about somebody. It's not loving them with our words. It's, it's saying things that we don't know to be true. And it's saying things about them that we would never say to their face. It tears down people. And it tears down the body of Christ. And, and when you tear down one person, you've torn down the body of Christ. So it's sin because it's destroying unity. When we hear gossip, we need to do two things. We need to lovingly address the person gossiping and, and say, ask them to stop. And the second thing, which is most important, we just need to forget what we heard and never repeat it. Because if we don't, then we're just passing it on. Protecting the unity of the body of Christ means that we have to love one another and we have to deal with gossip. Protecting the unity of the body also means that we have to forgive one another. Let's, let's just think about this. Over the past two years, we have all heard about, and some of us have personally experienced, how the political polarization, the racial unrest, and the anxiety about the pandemic have divided friendships and have divided families. And yes, even divided the body of Christ. 
Yesterday, I was serving at uh, Street Church with uh, some folks from Valley Brook, and I happened to meet a pastor there, actually a former pastor from another church, uh, who was no longer a pastor in the ministry. And I said, well, you know, tell me a little bit about your story. He goes, he said, you know what, in the past two years, our church had become so divisive with people on one side of this issue, this issue or the other side of the issue, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I resigned. You know, unfortunately, what I read in the church world that I pay attention to is that that's not a unique story. Now, by the grace of God, you here who call Valley Brook our church home, your church home, you have been able to navigate this. And you've been able, regardless of what your views are on all of the things that I mentioned, you've been able to say, I'm going to maintain the unity of the body of Christ. And that's awesome. Keep on doing it. Why? Because the unity of the body of Christ is superior and more important than any other of our views that we've experienced or that we have passion about. If we don't maintain unity in the body of Christ, we're not honoring God and we're sinning. Disunity causes conflict. It causes grievances and it hurts one another. In the letter to the church in Colossae, we read these words. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. The phrase that sticks out there and that should be driven home to each one of us when we read it or hear it read is this, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I understand that forgiveness is not always easy to give. I also recognize that sometimes forgiveness doesn't happen once. When someone has hurt you or harmed you or said something that has cut you to the quick, it's hard to forgive immediately. It may actually take a series of you saying regularly, I choose to forgive whoever it was for what they did. It's a process. It's not always a once and done thing. So lean into that. Don't be afraid to wrestle with it. Don't be scared to pray, God, help me forgive that person that hurt me. We protect the unity of the body of Christ by forgiving one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Here's the final way that we protect unity. By following the leadership. The Bible tells us that the function of what leadership is supposed to do in the body of Christ is this. And this is the Apostle Paul writing. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up 
until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, I don't tell you that to be self-serving. I tell you that because we know how the body of Christ is supposed to function. And please know that the leaders of our church, and I believe every godly church, seek to take this seriously and understand what God calls us to do. We want to help people come to faith. And once people come to faith, we want to help them become mature in their faithfulness in following Jesus. And we know, because Scripture tells us, that God will hold us accountable to do this because the Bible tells us that those who teach will be judged more strictly by God. So, in humility, leaders lead as God calls them as they follow Scripture. And in humility, the body of Christ follows God's plan so that we can all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up because we're going to close in a song in just a moment. But, but as I wrap this message up, I want to go back to that phrase from the movie. What we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity. You know, one day you and I will stand before God, the great judgment throne of God. The Bible tells us that we all will, and God's going to say, you know, Clark, what would you do with your life, with the time that you had there on earth? And I'll have to give an account now. This will not affect my salvation because I've been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ and what he has done for me and for all of us will, will give us all eternal life. But one day I'll have to do that because it matters to God and he says he will judge us. So think that through. What we do in life echoes in eternity. You, you know, at the, at the end of my life, not only do I want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant, but I want to know that what I did in this life will live on in eternity. Through my kids, through my family that will be there after me, through my brothers and sisters in Christ who will be there after me. I, I want to be known as someone who built up the body of Christ who didn't tear it down. I want to know somebody who was a unifier under Christ and nothing else. What about you? What we do in life will echo through eternity. And we have to decide that each and every day. I, I want to close with a prayer for all of us that we will protect the unity of the body of Christ. But I, but I recognize this. There's some of you saying, well, you know, Clark, this is great, but I'm really not a follower of Jesus Christ. That's okay, you can become a follower of Jesus Christ today. And so I'm gonna start off this prayer time giving you the opportunity to pray a very easy prayer where you are silently back to God. And if you do pray that prayer, I have a book that will help you grow in your faith that I would love to send to you. So you can always send us an email at connect at valleybrook.cc. So let's bow our heads and let's move into prayer. 
God, we thank you that you love us so much that you sent Jesus into the world. And we're united around that truth and we want to maintain that unity. Now, if there's somebody here today who's never put their faith in Jesus, you can do that right now. Very simply, you can pray this phrase back to God silently wherever you are. Dear God, I do believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. And I believe Jesus rose again from the dead. And today in faith, I declare that I want to live for him. say amen to that prayer, but I'll conclude our prayer saying these things. God, you know our lives. You can see everything that has happened. Lord, we confess that we have not always done whatever it will take to maintain unity in the body of Christ. And we ask for your forgiveness. And God, we pray that you would instill in us the understanding that you have prayed that we would be united as one. You prayed this to the Father. And so we want to maintain that unity for his glory and for your kingdom. And so, Lord, move in us. Help us understand that what we do, what we say, has eternal consequences. And help us seek to be uniters for your kingdom pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.